friends, and welcome to But I Digest. My name is Hans Rufert. And I'm Steve McDonough. If you are just joining us, But I Digest is our semi-regular podcast where each episode we feature a specific food or ingredient and we peel back its thick outer leaves to explore its history. We meet the heroes at its core and we make slaw with all of its crunchy hoopla. And our topic this week, if you haven't guessed, is cabbage. Cabbage. Yes, indeed. And it's a big, uh, it's a big topic, and and as always, I mean, we do have a tendency to get a little uh, verbose at times. So I want to kind of narrow this down. So cabbage is a is a big family of plants, or really, it belongs, I should say, to a big family of plants that includes a lot of edible things. So we're really going to be focusing on when you close your eyes and think of cabbage, which I'm sure you often do, <laughs> when you lay your head on a pillow and close your eyes and think of cabbage. Uh, I am talking about the lie back and think of cabbage, darling. (laughs) Close your eyes and think of cabbage. Uh, It is the big, round, heavy, dense ball of vegetable leafy thing called cabbage. That's what we're focusing on. Uh, And of course, it comes in green and red, but it belongs to the brassica family. And we've mentioned brassicas before. They are cruciferous vegetables. And if you don't know what cruciferous means, it really uh, the flowers, if you look at them, have a little bit of a crucifix in them, right? So that's why they're called cruciferous vegetables. Uh, Get but out. No, seriously, that's crucifix is in that word, cruciferous. Uh-huh. Uh, it's because in the bloom, it looks like a little cross in there. How so, about that? There's nobody on right. the cross. It's not that detailed. No, no it's just a little, no. yep, what? plus... Yeah. Uh, so yeah, all of this free information that you get from this uh, educational um, uh, podcast that we do. So, um, but this brassica family includes a ton of things that we eat, like broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, mustard greens, collards, kale, turnips, kohlrabi, rutabagas, bok choy. It's a huge family, but we are focusing on brassica oleraceae, which again is the big round. It rolls. I mean, it, it could be a it's like a ball for a soccer ball. Yeah, exactly. Like a it ball. Is, so yeah. it's like having brassica balls. <laughs> yeah, unless you're a Brussels sprout, and in which case you have tiny little brassica balls. That's exactly <laughs> right. But, but I like the I like the brassica balls. Very good. Uh, brassica knuckles. If you if you put your hand in there, uh-huh. make a fist. You got uh-huh. brassica knuckles. I the like sharp it. ones. I've been cut by a brassica <laughs> attack. Get down to brassica attacks. <laughs> Or, oh, man. or when you buy it, you have to pay a 10% brassica tax. Well, that's a lot of cabbage. Oh, uh, let's we'll abandon get... <laughs> this. That's a, everybody's yeah, okay, let's, let's, get, let's get back to the educational part of it, which we, <laughs> yeah, we quickly have left at the curb. Um, so anyway, this brassica family, they grow all over the world. And I guarantee you, if you went into your yard right now, a handful of the weeds that are growing in your yard are in the brassica family. Uh, I'm not suggesting you run out and eat them, but all of those things that I mentioned, that huge family of things, they kind of share a common ancestor and cabbage is in that family. And over the years, it was domesticated to really be this, what they either, they either divide cabbage into the heading forms, the ones that form like a nice round head or the kind of more open forms. And we're again, focusing on the the ones that form the head. And they, um, they, there really were domesticated or, or isolated or selective bread, bread because the, they survive well in cold places and they don't require a lot of water. So those kind of thick outer leaves do a great job of retaining moisture and also protecting the plant from, from predators. And so uh, it, they really evolved and were, again, selectively bred to be this amazing uh, vegetable. And 
that started, we think, about 3,000 years ago, particularly in, in Europe, right? So they found one of the wild brassicas and then through kind of smart people found the better ones. And, you know, as, as uh, Gregor Mendel's figured out that you can kind of selectively breed these things for, for the properties that you're looking for. And we see cabbage popping up throughout human written history, and it is a part of so many cultures. Ancient Egyptians and Romans ate tons of cabbage, and uh, particularly they liked to eat a lot of cabbage right before a night of drinking, which they thought allowed them to drink more, which okay. you know, that's, uh, that's always not a, that's not a bad idea, especially if I you're- I think the pro- Irish are on board with that. I think that's, uh, that's <laughs> the Irish have picked that up, picked up that torch. That's, that's very proactive too. Like if you know you're going out for night of drinking, but the trick is you have to eat the entire head of cabbage in one bite. No, I'm kidding. That's, that's not, that's not the trick. Uh, maybe at the end of a drinking session, you might want to try that. Um, but the uh, going over to Greece, the Greeks would use cabbage for a load of medicinal purposes. And we'll get to the actual uh, medicinal properties of cabbage here shortly, but they used it as a relief from, from gout and from headaches and Cato, the elder in the second century BC, he believed that not only did it help aid in digestion, which it does, but the fumes from boiled cabbage, if directed into the womb, could increase a woman's fertility. Um, now, I'm going to pause right here so yeah. that we can just all together unpack what I just said. Unpack this womb information. So how, help me visualize, how would you best direct mm. the fumes of boiled cabbage into one's womb. I don't, I'm not sure that, that this is the right podcast for that. Uh, through the belly button, maybe like a straw through the belly, button. I don't know. I, uh, <laughs> that's the only family friendly <laughs> version of that I can think of, mm. uh, which is not exactly family friendly. Anyway, don't try this at home. Or if you do drop us a line, no, yeah, no video. see it please. on Facebook. Oh, we do. Okay. Post. We do. Um, so <laughs> another uh, interesting use of, of cabbage. It was also believed, the Greeks believed, that if you bathed a baby in the urine of someone who'd eaten a lot of cabbage, it was good for the baby's constitution. Uh, now, you know, definitely cabbage is one of those kind of more um, pungent, I guess is the word I could use. Um, so I have to imagine that the baby would not be too excited about that. I mean, it would be warm or at least no, initially. No, it it's also, and I read about this, I read about this, it is actually the very first recorded time anyone said mommy my cabbage patch kid smells funny <laughs> it's uh it's wow in a, yeah it's in a it's in a pyramid somewhere like but you know it's written in that's that's pretty good and you know uh cabbage patch kids just as a uh, an aside uh, were created uh if not far from my hometown so uh, where where my daughter ella went to college is very close to where cabbage patch kids uh, are planted and harvested originally. Of course, I think they're outsourced now, but uh, originally mm-hmm. in Cleveland, Georgia, that's where they uh, they came from. Um, so right. cabbage, uh, as I said, it's ubiquitous kind of all over the world. It, um, it was brought to the U.S. originally, or, or the Americas, or so before it was the U.S., uh, by a French explorer named Jacques Cartier, uh, and no relation to President Cartier, President Carter, um, but uh, on but anyway, on Cartier's third voyage, which was in 1541, and he brought cabbage because it was necessary on these long ocean journeys because of the high amounts of vitamin C, which we all know can prevent scurvy. I, we've we've yeah. mentioned scurvy so many times now on the podcast. I feel like we need a special scurvy uh, stinger. Scurvy stinger. Um, scurvy stinger would be good. Uh, be a pirate and, sound. <laughs> there you go. Really, we need a pirate sound for scurvy. 
scurvy. Uh, but there are records that uh, on uh, the doctor on Captain Cook's ship used sauerkraut, which we'll get to in a bit, um, to kind of treat some of the wounds of the sailors. So the bacteria in the sort of fermentation brine of the sauerkraut uh, was thought to help wound, uh, heal wounds, but also to prevent uh, gangrene. Uh, well, that so, makes sense too, because it's preserved for the voyage. That is exactly just like right. they were doing with the limes, putting it in the gin so it would preserve longer over over the seas. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, you should be so totally safe from scurvy. I think you know, you and I both really between you know all of your recipes have some sort of a citrus thing. Uh, so I think we could personally testify that uh, that scurvy, uh, the things we talk about, work. I can't vouch for all of the other things, but for scurvy, you and I anecdotally are, are great right. uh, We're safe. models of that. All right. We're safe. Uh, so yeah, it, it obviously works for that. So now today, China is the world's largest producer of cabbage, uh, followed by India, which I honestly thought Germany would be on there somewhere. I mean, you just think of Germans, you think of cabbage. Um, but <laughs> surprise, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it is what is true is what it is. Uh, beer and cabbage. I mean, how can you go wrong? Uh, but actually, it's Russia is the largest consumer of cabbage. Also, they're the, one of the largest growers, but they are the largest consumer of cabbage, which I had no idea. Um, so interesting stuff. So let's talk about the actual health benefits. As a, you know, we're, uh, we've talked about the fertility or the presumed alleged fertility uh, benefits, but um, let's talk about the actual scientific health benefits. Now, I am in Houston, Texas at the moment. I just had my 17-year cancer checkup, which all went well, by the way. So officially, Yay. 17 years cancer-free. Uh, wow. So, which is not a bad, uh, not a bad thing. I'm, I'll take that. That's pretty good. Thanks to turmeric and cabbage. There we go. Yep. Uh, and uh, a couple doctors were thrown into that, in that. Mainly turmeric and cabbage. Mainly turmeric. But yeah, mainly cabbage. Uh, so while I'm while I'm in the in the mindset of thinking about cancer prevention, let's talk about that. So. Cabbage has several anti-cancer properties, and we're going to start with one uh, that's called sul sulforaphane. And I've started writing my notes where I'm putting the accents over the where they belong, because I feel like scientists, if any scientists listen to our podcast, they cringe every time you yeah. or I try to say one of these, uh, one of yeah, these yeah. words. Yeah, so, yeah. Yep, I get it. So, uh, or they laugh because we're so far off, uh, off the mark. But sulforaphane, the root word of that, of course, being sulfur. Now, I don't know about you guys up north, but in the south, my grandmother, my mother would cook cabbage all day long, right? It would sit in the pot and they'd start in the morning and this is pre-Instapot and the whole house would smell like a rotten egg, right? Because of mm -hmm. that sulfur. And I would come home from school and my sister would actually warn me outside of the house, say, hey, mom's cooking cabbage. And so I would try to avoid it. Like I would go ride my bike for an hour thinking, okay, I'm going to wait till the house clears out, but it doesn't clear out because it, yeah. again overcooked cabbage and you are leaching out this uh, sulforaphane. And, but that's really where the health properties are. So overcooking cabbage, that's kind of where the pot liquor thing came in, right? So uh, hopefully some of you know what pot liquor is. It is not liquor no. that you pour into a pot, although that could be a recipe. Um, but pot liquor really is the cooking liquid. And when you cook down your greens, you're left with this liquid. And, and oftentimes they would drink that uh, as a bit of a tonic, right? As a bit of a vitality oh, okay. thing, because that's really where you have leached out all of the um, all of the great benefits are now in that cooking liquid. So, but again, that sulfuric smell uh, is it, from that compound sulforaphane 
And uh, it has been shown to inhibit uh, a harmful enzyme that also has a funny name. It's called decetylase or HDAC, deacetylase. Uh, and it's known to be involved with the development and spread of cancer cells. So this, this property in cabbage helps stop that. Almost like when we were talking about turmeric in, in a previous episode, uh, it helps kind of turn off that communication uh, to spread to cancer. Mm-hmm. Now, there's an, and there's another component in cabbage called it's an ap- apigenin. Uh, not to, nothing to do with gin and tonic, but epigenin. Uh, and that's been shown to decrease tumor sizes, even in aggressive types of camp- cancers. And research is showing that this epigenin compound has the potential to be used as sort of a non-toxic alternative to chemo and radiation uh, for treating cancer in the future. So, you know, anytime that you can go a more homeopathic natural route, especially in preventative uh, on that front, you know, the better. And if it involves eating delicious food, I am certainly on board. Uh, now, red cabbage, which is really the same as a green cabbage, except for it has uh, something called anthocyanins. Now, a lot of those dark red and purple foods that we eat, blueberries and uh, eggplants have these anthocyanins in there, and they're known for being antioxidants. And that's it's that anthocyanin that gives them that red and deep purple vibrant color. And anthocyanins have been shown to slow down cancer and also kind of kill already formed uh, cancer cells, as wow. well as stopping the formation of new tumor growth. So uh, an added benefit. And that's that's really true on on beans, on uh, on grains. Usually the darker the color, the higher the yeah. antioxidant, because that yeah. darker color is really acting almost like a sunscreen. And so it's got these kind of protective benefits in there as well. Now, Cabbage itself is mostly water and fiber. And you always hear about how fiber is so important for digestion. And the the buzzword right now is prebiotics. And really, prebiotics are really just fiber. Uh, But it is probiotics that really help with your digestive system and really your entire immune system. And cabbage is one of the few plants that actually has lactobacillus growing naturally on there. So even if you don't fully ferment it, and we'll talk about fermented cabbage uh, a little bit later, but also in a future episode when we talk about sauerkraut, but just eating raw cabbage, you are not only getting the prebiotics in the form of fiber, you're getting great water content, but you're also getting some probiotics in the form of lactobacillus, which, like I said, improves not only your, your GI health, but your entire immune system's overall strength and, uh, and vigor. So uh, a cabbage a day keeps the, the doctor and the scurvy away. That sounds like a lot of cabbage. That's a lot of cabbage. Well, I want to go, I want to go backwards. You mentioned uh, Jacques Cartier. And first of all, this was funny because Hans and I, when, before we do our own separate research and then together we come together and say, okay, I'm going to talk about this. I'm going to talk about this. And we go, and we rarely have information that is uh, yeah. crossed. We, we don't usually do that. But today we did, because I was going to mention something about the, um, the urine bathed babies and you were going to mention, and I was also going to mention Cartier. So I told you, all right, here, you can have, I'll give you urine. You give me Cartier. <laughs> and what did you say? I said, that sounds like um, either uh, an unbalanced relationship or a really sad Valentine's Day where the worst, worst yeah, Valentine's you, Day ever. You I give me urine, urine you give me Cartier. I give you Cartier. Happy so. Valentine's Day. Yeah. Well, I'm right, glad. So, so back to Cartier. Um, as you said, he was this, this French explorer. He actually named Canada. Uh, it was huh. uh, a Huron Iroquoian word, Kanata, meaning village or settlement. And he took it and 
you know, the Huron Iroquois people do not get credit. No, nope, damn, Cartier comes in. He's like, I named this country. <laughs> um, so he f- just as he was sailing up the the Lawrence River, um, he just couldn't believe how beautiful it was that all of the the trees were. Uh, there were so many oaks that they seemed like to break down with their weight, and they sowed seeds of cabbage, lettuce, turnips, and others of our country, which came up in eight days. It was really fertile ground up there. Um, so cabbage really stuck around up there because Irish immigrants moved to Toronto in the 1840s trying to flee the Great Famine, and they were growing cabbage in their front yards. They had front yards rather than backyards. So there's this area of Toronto that's called Cabbage Town. Well, we have Still, a cabbage yeah. town in Atlanta too, believe it or not. Oh, you do? We do. Oh, right. Also, Irish uh, originally was really? kind of where the Irish were, yeah. They're getting around. So it's one of those, you know, I guess a nickname that that stuck, right? So that made me think of how many different ways we use the word cabbage. It's a very, it's it's different. You know, we don't use the word carrot in a bunch of different ways. In a bunch uh, least, of different ways. I like what you did there. A bunch oh, of yeah. carrots. It was intentional, right. I know. exactly, exactly what I was doing. Very good. So uh, cabbage is highly used. If you're broke, you need to earn some cabbage. You're gullible, you fell off the cabbage truck. If you do something stupid, you're a cabbage head. Mm. If you've got poor quality weed, you're rolling cabbage. Uh, and if you get robbed, someone cabbaged your wallet. I've never heard that one in, in a in no. a form form of a that's, verb. That, that's because I made it up. No, it's uh, it's there, it's a thing. Cabbaged um, your wallet. I also found some euphemisms for sexual acts that mm. were very rude, but I I always I'm very conscious that your mother's friends are listening to this. So I am they not are. going to put them out, Hansa's mom's friends. However, if later uh, you want to secretly Google it, along with the word sneezing, it makes me giggle. It makes oh. me giggle. You can have a giggle on your own. I'm going to do that um, right now. Don't, don't do it now. <laughs> don't, don't let your mother's parents know you're doing that. It can also be a name, as in the Queen of England, because that was Prince Philip's nickname for the Queen of England. He called her cabbage. Nice. Which comes from uh, mon petit chou, which means my little cabbage in French. You might know that, right? In French. I don't know. What yeah, in French. French. Yeah, French yeah. is my favorite salad dressing. You take ranch dressing and French dressing, <laughs> put them together, and you make oh. French dressing. Is that a thing? No, I just made that it up. It is but... now. It is now. We are going to bottle that. And you're just totally Googling that thing right now, aren't you? Of course I, I am. I'm not going to say it. I'm just looking. Yeah, of course I am. Did you find it? No, I hadn't gotten there yet. I'm, I'm listening to you and doing, I can't multitask. Right, well, listen to me. You can do this later. I'm in the middle of a little, a little thing right here that you're involved in. So uh, over the years, a lot of children were told they were found in a cabbage patch, like uh, especially in Europe, less about the stork and more about especially French and Belgian uh, stories that boys are born in cabbages and girls are born in roses. Oh. But there's only one country that I saw that uses cabbage as more kind of a curse word. And that is... The Italians, ah. the Italians, they say cavolo, which means cabbage. And it's not really like a potty mouth swear, but it's more like a substitute, like we're saying fudge in English. But it kind of has this added charm. If you're having a big conversation, a big fight, I should say, screaming and shouting in Italian, and then somebody says cavolo, it kind of lightens the, the mood a little. So, so some of the Italian phrases, che cavolo, literally means what cabbage you know if you're if you're doing nonsense i can say okay cavolo uh tested de cavolo means you're a cabbage head you're an idiot i like this one fara una cavolata, 
which is making a lot of cabbage means not not come over and let's cook cabbage together. It means you're just doing something really stupid right now. Ah. Fara una cavalotta, which I love. And I love this phrase, cavoli riscaldati, which literally means reheated cabbage. And it's a phrase, uh, an old proverb about how pointless it is to try to revive an old love affair. Ah. And in English, the proverb goes, neither reheated cabbage nor revived love is ever any good. Wow. And they both give you gas. No, I'm, I'm adding that part, but what a, what a very specific phrase. I love when language picks something like that. That is so, uh, it's like schadenfreude or something like that. It's just what a great, I love it. Oh, hold on, Hans, sorry to interrupt. Let me just get the door here. Let's see who it is. Oh, it's today's sponsor, Pure Cane, all natural, zero calorie sweetener. Well, come on in. Pure Cane, have a seat. Pure Cane is a zero-calorie sugar replacement that is naturally derived, and here's the best part. It tastes just like sugar and bakes just like sugar. Use it wherever sugar is used without the negative effects of sugar. It's got great flavor, so you don't have to compromise on taste like when you're using those old-school artificial sweeteners with that metallic tang. You can use all-natural, sustainable Pure Cane for a zero-calorie, zero-net-carb, vegan, gluten-free, keto-friendly option in all of your favorite recipes. So, for example, Pure Cane, uh, we have Grandma Grace's Cranberry Orange Cake that we did that in our cranberry episode. It's got two cups of sugar. What is the ratio to swap you out? Oh, it's one-to-one, is it? Well, that makes it very easy, Pure Cane. Well, also, this cake is really sweet because we take uh, orange juice and sugar and we make a drizzle, pours over the cake and is absorbed into it. And then we take whatever's left and re-pour that into the cake until it's all absorbed in there. It's a lot of sugar, Pure Cane. Can you make this healthier? You can. Better for me and for, um, for the planet. All right. I see you, Pure Cane. If you want to see Pure Cane, head over to purecane.com right now and enter promo code BUTIDIGEST for 30% off your first order. That's purecane.com, P-U-R-E-C-A-N-E. Enter promo code BUTIDIGEST, 30%. Thanks for dropping by, Pure Cane. Oh, look, I got you a slice of Grandma Grace's cranberry cake to go. But hey, hey, I want that Tupperware back. So I was doing some research on this and I came across a, a Rosetta Stone blog and there is this really just adorable Italian woman with a great accent. And she's actually she's a little Italian haughty, if I'm, if I'm honest. And huh? she's explaining Cavolo. And this is my favorite. So I'm going to, I'm going to play just this little phrase. And if you, I'll, I'll give you the whole link on Rosetta Stone. But here's her little phrase. Hold on. For example, you can say, Ma che cavolo stai dicendo? Which means, what the hell are you talking about? All right. So anyway, she's she's just adorable. What the hell are you talking about? I can't do it right. So we have to play her. So yeah. and again, that's uh, at the Rosetta Stone blog. I was looking at the film, the different types of cabbage use in film in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, which we mentioned last week with the uh, turmeric and the, and the, and the makeup. Yeah. Um, Charlie Bucket and his family, they were so poor, they had to live on a diet of cabbage soup each day. Charlie would, I'm fed up with cabbage water. It's not enough. It's delicious, but yeah, if you had it every day, it would get a little... It's too much for poor buckets. And in France, there is a movie called Cabbage Soup. Do you know this? No. It is, uh, it is a 1981 French science fiction comedy, and it's about two old Frenchmen. Stick with me. There's a, it's a shoemaker and a, and a well digger, and they live in a little French village, and they eat a lot of cabbage soup. So one night they're having a farting contest. This is a film. They're having a farting contest and the farts attract an alien in a flying saucer. 
So they give the alien some cabbage soup. He likes it so much, he brings it back to his planet. It's a smash hit, a big seller on his planet. And they, to thank him, the alien brings back his dead wife. Now, she died when she was 60, but she comes back at 20, which seems to be a really nice thing for the alien to do to bring back this hottie. But she ends up leaving uh, the man and running away with a younger man because she's now 20. So everybody's sad, and the alien brings them back to his home planet with their cat so that they can live till they're 200. I cabbage, uh, cabbage soup. Well, I've I've heard so many renditions of that same old classic tale of farting and aliens and mm-hmm. resurrection. It's a it's a classic trope. Mm-hmm. Classic trope. Uh, American films in a Christmas story. The mom makes red cabbage. Do you remember? You loved my red cabbage, Ralphie. And she makes red cabbage, and they eat. Uh, they eat meatloaf, and, and, and she goes to sit down, and the dad says, "Can I have some more red cabbage?" And she gets up and gives some red cabbage and she sits down and Ralphie says, can I have some more red cabbage? And she gets up and then the narrator says, my mother had not had a hot meal for herself in 15 years. Remember that? It's the yes. scene where she says, show me how the piggies eat. There's so many great yeah. quotes in that film. It's, and, but you know what's funny and you probably have had the same experience when the first time I watched that movie, I related to Ralphie and now I relate to the parents. To the dad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's just filled with great quotes, though. Classic quotes. They're like, they're, I mean, the writing is poetic. It's lyrical. It's almost musical, almost Broadway musical. Oh, my it's God. It's almost time for <laughs> the Straight Guy. Yeah, should have seen it coming. Kind of easy. This one is kind of easy. If you don't get this, it's all on you. Yeah. A musical stage version of the 1983 film. Uh, a Christmas Story. It ran on Broadway for a limited run in 2012. It was nominated for three Tonys. Mainly, it's a touring production. It's all over the place every Christmas. In it, there's one big tap dancing production number based on one iconic A Christmas Story quote. What phrase does a tap dancing Miss Shields, played by Jane Krakowski in the uh, Fox Live musical that was live televised around Christmas 2017, which I didn't see and I really wish I had, what is the name of this song? What is the name of the phrase that is repeated between tap breaks? Probably the most iconic phrase in the entire A Christmas Story quote genre. Go. Okay, so the only quote that pops to my mind is, you'll put your eye out, kid. Yeah. It's a big tap answer. You'll shoot your eye out. It's really Oh, fun. wow. I'm going to have to look that up. That's awesome. I will put a link uh, to the, the Tony Awards had uh, did that as their as their number that year. And I will put I'll put a link up. That's all. Well, number one, I'm just glowing with pride. Not only in the same week that I get a clean CT scan, 17 years cancer free, but I also completed successfully these dump the straight guys. So I'm, I'm happy I can I can You're just retire winner, right now. Baby. Like, I can retire right now. Can I can I tell you the thing about that movie real quick that freaked me out more than anything was the tongue on the frozen uh, flagpole. Yeah. And for some reason, in my because at 83 is when it came out, I was 11 years old. Um, it was like standing on a cliff when you know you shouldn't stand on a cliff and you think what would happen if I jumped every time I was near frozen metal. I had this weird compulsion of like, I know not to do it. But because of that movie, I felt like what would happen. Right. So uh, I still feel a little little squeamish thinking about that. That you need to you need to stay in Georgia where it's warm. That's true. Yeah, even warmer. Where you'll be safe. Yeah. So if you've been keeping track, last week's Stump the Straight Guy was which longest running Broadway musical did Scary Spice Mel B try to destroy by ad-libbing 
during her eight-week run. She only had to get through eight weeks, and she couldn't do it. This homegrown musical, the title now you know, Hans, is? I do know it is Chicago. The answer is Chicago, and you and I gave you so many hints. I know you did, and literally, as we, and Anupi is my, uh, is my witness, as we were rolling credits, I, 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 it, the whole homegrown thing. Of course, yeah. I was thinking from my point of view, and I knew there were no Jasper musicals, um, Anyway, but yeah. Well, yeah, that's like you just uh, the main thing is that you lost. It doesn't matter when you came up with it, you lost. You lost. So anyway, there's another movie moving on. There's another movie called In America, which I love. Have you ever seen In America? 2002. It's a drama about an immigrant Irish family uh, and their struggle to start a new life in New York City um, after they had lost their youngest son. And it's told through the eyes of their elder daughter. They've still got two surviving daughters who was nominated for three Academy Awards. It is super emotional. It's uh, it's a little overly sentimental, but it's a, it's an Irish story. And so it's, it's just perfect. And it's beautiful, the cinematography. So at one point they invite a Nigerian immigrant, uh, their neighbors from Nigeria, they invite him over to sit down for dinner and they offer him a plate of mashed potatoes, but it's, it's a mashed potato dish that he doesn't know what it is. And the daughters tell him it's called Canon. Do you know called Canon? I do. And, and, uh, you know, the word, the German word for cabbage is coal, K-O-H-L. And so you see, you see coal a lot used in things like that. So yeah, it's good stuff. So Colcannon, if you don't know, it's a well-known Irish comfort food classic. So it's mashed potato dish with chopped cabbage and onions and chives, a ton of butter. And it's a very versatile dish. Uh, Colcannon can be made. You can put in some boiled ham. You can put in some Irish bacon. And the ingredients can kind of change regionally, including kale can be substituted for the cabbage. But that Irish butter, oh my God, you make a a little volcano in the center and just just (laughs) a big hunk of Irish butter in the center just to melt and everybody gets it. Oh my God, Colcannon is magic. So it was first referenced um, in a 1735 diary a traveler from Wales was in Dublin on Halloween night, and he said he supped upon a shoulder of mutton roasted and what they called their colcannon, which is cabbage boiled, potatoes and parsnips, all this mixed together. They eat well enough and a dish always had in this kingdom on this night. We think, I would hazard a guess, that colcannon is a St. Paddy's Day dish. And that's why we're doing this, P.S., because um, for us at, at the timeline of making the podcast, so, uh, St. Patrick's Day is next week. So we think of Colcannon as being eaten on St. Patrick's Day, but really it's a traditional dish for Halloween. Did you know that Halloween is a really big deal in Ireland? I had no idea. Me neither. So we think that Halloween is a very American thing. You know, the trick-or-treat is very American invention, but the deep roots and connections uh, to Ireland has been going on for over a thousand years. It was a pagan festival called Sahwin, which is... um, spelled with an M, but it's silent because it's Irish and they just hate me and don't want me to be able to speak their language. And, I, yeah, and I've seen that word before and had no idea that's how that's how you pronounce it. Yeah, it looks like Sam Hain, but it's, of yeah. course not, it's Sawin. So back then it was believed that evil spirits visited us on October 31st and to ward them off, they wore bizarre costumes and lit bonfires. So now I told you about the edible ingredients in, you know, lovely Colcannon, but I left out the fortune telling Halloween bit, because you can fold in little gifts and trinkets for the diner to find. So the charms that they would use, oh, you're always after me, lucky charms. They would put in blue clover, clovers, purple horseshoes. No. And for, and for no. a limited time, rainbows. Rainbows. 
No, that's a joke. They're not always after me, Lucky Charms. But these charms, they varied by region and there were uh, kind of common themes and they're all supposed to predict the future. Um, so in years gone by, in years gone by, young Irish girls were blindfolded and sent out to the garden on Halloween to pick a cabbage. So then they would make the coal cannon using that cabbage and hide a ring in the coal cannon. And whoever found the ring on their plate is supposed to be the next to marry. Mm. Also, you might find a thimble, which meant you would remain single. You might find a coin, which means you would be wealthy in the coming year, money would be coming to you, or a rag, which means poverty would be coming to you. I see that face. I don't know either how they hid a rag in this mashed potato what, dish. What I size? I don't know. I don't know. I could not find an image. Or you might find a stick. Found a okay. stick. That means that your spouse is going to beat you. Or they didn't <laughs> wash the greens up. well. I like the beating thing is much better. Yeah. Um, and sometimes unmarried women would put the first and last bite of coal cannon into a stocking and hang it on their front door. And that way, the next unmarried man to enter was supposed to be her intended husband. Was he in on that or did he have to eat the Look, sock right, flavored? Right. Uh, yeah. If you see I got a questions. cannon sock, just run. I got so, questions. Yeah, that's I have yeah. questions, too. So anyway, in this film, the youngest daughter is dressed up as an angel because it's Halloween in America, but she's dressed as this little Irish angel with a tinfoil halo and she's got stars on her cheeks. I mean, it's a beautiful, uh, the, the cinematography in this film is gorgeous. And the guest bites into Cole Cannon and the elder daughter says, oh, that means you're, he finds a ring. She means you're going to get married. And at the very end of the film, he takes a last bite and he, uh, he pulls out the coin and the little girl says, oh, you're magic. You're winning everything. That's so lovely. So this leads me into what would normally be my quiz. But I really wanted to talk about a Colcannon song. There's a, an old Irish standard called Little Skillet Pot. And it's got everything in it that you want an Irish song to have. It has your mother. It has comfort food, and it has a grown man on the verge of tears. It's all of the things that you want an Irish song to be. But I couldn't find a version that I could play. But since it's in the public domain, I'm going to sing it. Yay. I'm going to sing it for St. Patrick's Day. Did you ever eat Colcannon made with lovely pickled cream? And the greens and scallions mingled like a picture in a dream. Did you ever make a hole on top to hold the melted flake of the creamy flavored butter that your mammy used to make? Well, you did so, you did so, did he, and so did I. And the more I think about it, sure, the nearer I'm to cry. Oh, weren't them the happy days when troubles we had not? And our mothers made Colcannon in the little skillet pot everyone oh you did so you did so did he and so did i and the more i think about it sure the nearer i'm to cry oh weren't them the happy days when troubles we had not and our mothers made coral cannon are you singing in your car because it's almost saint <laughs> patrick's day all together in the little skillet pot that was beautiful. And, and uh, I, for those of you who can't see, he was doing a whole jig too. He was, uh, <laughs> was. he was river dancing. It was awesome. <laughs> Wearing the hat. Cause you're right. after me, lucky charms. <laughs> I, and, and it, it really makes me want a plate, the song, the story, the whole thing. I, uh, I think I'd like some Cole Cannon. Let's go to Cole Cannon. So since we can't have some Cole Cannon, let's go to some of our recipes. The only thing that's hotter than the oven is watching you cook. 
So as uh, Steve mentioned earlier, sometimes we, or oftentimes we collaborate separately so that my reaction is genuine, his reaction is genuine. And uh, so I did not know about the Cole Cannon piece ahead of this because I probably would have gone uh, searching for a Cole Cannon recipe. Um, so maybe we'll have to share one uh, you know, on social media at some point, but definitely I'm gonna have to make some uh, for myself. But my first thought when we talked about cabbage is of course uh, to go to sauerkraut. Cabbage really has been a part of my entire family's culinary tradition my entire life. And we ate it every way you can think of. We ate it raw, we ate it grilled, I mean, literally, we'd just take hunks of cabbage and throw them on the grill, which is fantastic, with some butter. Uh, we would stuff them. My dad would do stuffed cabbage leaves all the time. Amazing. Um, we'd steam them. Of course, my mom would overcook and boil them uh, to the point where we had to evacuate. Um, but again, sauerkraut is really sort of this ubiquitous thing, I think, in all uh, German or semen, but or beyond that. I mean, going into, going into France, going into uh, Eastern Europe, sauerkraut really is... Um, probably the most uh, used form of cabbage, mainly because as we talked about before, it's, you can preserve it. You can hold it for a long amount of time. And uh, what a great way. I mean, cabbage holds really well in your root cellar for a good amount of time, but once you ferment it. Now, true sauerkraut has no vinegar in it. And so people sometimes ask, what kind of vinegar did you use? There is no vinegar in a true sauerkraut. That really would kind of go more like a pickled cabbage but a true sauerkraut is fermented, right? So we are going to talk about sauerkraut on its own episode. And uh, because as an ingredient, there's, there's a whole history and, and the, the kind of all of the uh, microbiotics that are going on with that. Um, but I wanted to kind of share a simple how to make sauerkraut at home recipe with you, because if you start doing this, this will open up a whole new world for you. Uh, it's kind of a slippery slope though, because then you're gonna wanna ferment everything. And I got a lot of inspiration from a lady who's become a friend named uh, Caitlin Finney over at Cultured Guru. And she is a microbiologist by trade. And it, it's also great that her husband is a photographer. So she has a lot of great photos. And she's done a great job of doing step by step how to make just simple mason jar sauerkraut. And there really are only a couple of ingredients. There's cabbage, there's water, but it has to be filtered water, no chlorine, and there's salt. And that's the beauty of it is those are the only things really required to make sauerkraut. The fourth ingredient is really thyme, not the herb, but it takes a little bit. It takes about two to three weeks for that transition to happen. So I'm uh, not going to go too deep into it, um, but the cultured guru is um, she's an absolute zealot when it comes to fermented foods and does a great job of of teaching you how to make uh, sauerkraut and I suggest you try it. And then you can always add a lot of fun things like carrots, radishes, beets, garlic, etc. So I rarely make it the same way twice, but I always enjoy it. And it's so good to have on hand uh, when you're making, you can make sauerkraut soup, you can put it on sandwiches, you can eat it uh, just as a side. Um, but so that's, uh, that's my simple recipe. I'll put it up on the website as well as a link over to Culture Guru. They do a great job with that. Uh, Peter uh, made sauerkraut soup on last year's Schnitzelfest, remember? And it was fantastic. I was like, I am not eating this. And it was, it was fantastic. great. Oh, I, I went back for seconds. And for yeah. me, I rarely go back for seconds to anything. It was great. Yeah, it was really good. All right. So, of course, if it's time to do a cocktail, I'm going to do a cabbage cocktail because that's what you want to drink. Is some... <laughs> Now, people are laughing and thinking I'm joking. Or they're not laughing. They're just like, whatever. Can we please just end this podcast? Um, I actually am using cabbage. This is what you do. I'm using cabbage as a, a color magic trick. So you're going to cut up some red cabbage 
and we're going to use it to make a cabbage water that's going to give us a color. Now, there's a couple different ways we can do this. We can cut up the red cabbage and we can give it a quick boil, strain it so we can have that colored water. We can take the cabbage and put it in some cold water with an immersion blender, and that way you don't have the smell of cabbage in your house. Or, and this is what I prefer, you can take the cabbage, cut it up, and just pour hot water onto it and then strain it because that way you have good cabbage left over that you can braise if you want. You can, you know, saute it with vinegar, but you'll, you'll still be able to use it in a better way. So it becomes this interesting food dye because the cabbage is a pH indicator. So it is going to change its color in the presence of acid. So it's going to be this dark blue, beautiful you know, you, you would think maybe it's red, but I mean, you boil the cabbage, you get the cabbage water, it's really a dark blue. So once you add citric acid, the color is going to change. It's going to change from a dark blue to a bright purple and even to a pink. So it's really kind of fun. So what I'm doing here is just a really simple tequila lemonade. So we're going to take this cabbage water that we already had, and we're going to make lemonade separately, a separate lemonade, but we're going to make the lemonade very strong because we're mixing the two of these together later. So what we're doing in effect is adding more, adding lemonade to water. So just make that lemonade stronger so that you're not diluting it. Makes sense. So in a tall glass with lots of ice, put in some tequila and fill it halfway with the blue cabbage water. And then let the guests pour in the lemonade themselves onto the top. So if you could put each of these in a separate, you know, mason jar or something, and they could put them together, it's really fun. So as you pour the lemonade into this, in the center, it's going to make an ombre. It's going to be blue on the bottom and kind of uh, pinkish in the middle. And nice. uh, yeah, it, and the different color on the top. And it's, it's just beautiful. And it's super fun. And it's a tequila lemonade. So it's really simple. Serve it with a straw. And once they stir it all together, it'll be a solid pink. But it's a, it's, it's a cocktail a science project for you. With it's tequila. an experience. I mean, it, it it's what a, I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a, you're exactly right. I, I want to do it. Uh, in fact, next time I'm up there, I'm holding you to that. Uh, I, and I'll make something with the, uh, with the cabbage remnants. So that'll be my job. But wow. I love the idea of being able to see that gradient. I mean, even as a kid, a tequila sunrise was such a magic thing. Listen to me as a kid. You know, when I was four, <laughs> throwing back those tequila sunrises. But, but you know what I mean? When Like going to the beach and you see these cocktails go by on a tray, that was always like, how did they do that? You know? And this is such a simple, simple way for you to do it for your friends. I mean, it really, it's, it's just tequila and lemonade, basically. So you can do it. I'll, I'll, I'll make sure we get you a picture. It's Instagrammable. The only thing that's hotter than the oven is watching you cook. So as always, if you want to get these recipes, please go to our website. All our recipes are on there, butidigestpodcast.com. Email is butidigestpodcast at gmail.com. Facebook and Instagram is butidigestpodcast. Make sure you go to Facebook so that you can play Stump the Straight Guy. Oh, you won Stump the Straight Guy. But you can go to Facebook anyway. We have some really fun stuff on there. <laughs> we do. Twitter is butidigestpod. Uh, also on our website, you will find a link to purchase Hans's line of spices, as well as a link to download my cocktail book, The New Old Bar. Uh, special thanks to our sponsor, Pure Cane Zero Calorie Sweetener. Oh, and by the way, I said we're making a drink with lemonade. Make that with the Pure Cane 
Diabetics can use this natural sweetener. It's it's great. Make it make it with the pure cane. One to one ratio for uh, replacement for your sugar. Thanks to our web designer Hewitt Rabel, to our editor Natalie DeChico. Special music by Corey Goodrich. Don't forget to go to the website and listen to Corey's dirty little ditty that's on there. It's <laughs> only on our website. And our theme music is by Brian Reyes. And uh, as always, if you're enjoying our show, please give help us grow. Help us help us grow. Water us by leaving us a rating wherever you find your podcasts. And hey, listen, that face that Facebook interaction is awesome. We're not just Facebook, any of those social medias. We look forward. It's I mean, of course, it's a little bit of an ego in there. But for the most part, we look forward to continuing this conversation. So I have so much fun. If you look at um, at St- Steve does a great job. He's a Photoshop expert. He should be a professional. Yeah, right. uh, he does a great job of of continuing this story online. So make sure you join us online to keep this going. Let's do that. Are we done here? We are done. Oh, you did so, you did so, did he, and so did I. And the more I think about it, sure, the nearer I'm to cray. I'm fading out. 